When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Welcome to Prince Kai Fan Pod, episode 14. I am Ashley and I'm Bethany. Yay! Yay! 14. It's very exciting. We're actually going to do two chapters this week. We're going to do 16 and 17 because I'm impatient and one chapter a week is going too slow. Um, <laughs> so, how are you? I am. I've had a day, it was a long day. You guys should do something fun today, though. We did do to get to do something fun. It was, it was driving, which is not my forte. It was go karting, technically, but yes, it was driving. But driving around. a go kart is way more fun than a car. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I I'm just a terrible driver, so it, it took me a while to to get used to the to the go kart and then actually get close enough to reach the pedals. That was my biggest problem. Oh, was I reach the pedals. how thing. about you? I had an amazing day. Today is August 23rd, which means at 8 o'clock I went to Target to buy (laughs) the new Taylor Swift album, and I've spent all day listening to it, and it's beautiful. And the album is, like, very rainbow-themed. It is. And when we got to Target, there was a rainbow outside, and it felt like very... Like fate and serendipity and destiny all rolled into one. (laughs) That's adorable. I thought it looked more like cotton candy to me. It's, It's like, yeah... Because it's all fluffy clouds. Yeah, it's all fluffy yeah. clouds. Now I want cotton candy. <laughs> so yeah, I've had a really great day. We have a big announcement, but first, Fan Art Friday. Fan Art Friday. Did you look at it? I did. Yes. I loved it. So this week was from at art underscore by underscore Aviva underscore on Instagram. And it was a peony in like black and white and surrounded by the shoulder halo of the flower that is her namesake it's it's, it's really quite pretty. beautiful what i like about it is so i like i love monochromatic stuff and then i like the pop of color that the flowers were on there yeah that's what i really liked about it and i thought it was kind of like a little sweet face that she's she's making i like and it's such a silly little thing but i like her nose and see, I don't think we get a very good description of, like, her nose or anything. We don't. But I do picture her with a very small... Small nose. Yeah, heart Like a little type. button yeah. type nose. And I just remembered I wanted to give a shout-out because on August 9th, we shared a fan art of Peony Sender and Ico by at E-E-R-N-A-R-T-S on Instagram, and it has 575 likes. Oh. Oh, my. Yeah. So, congratulations to Arnards, and thank you for letting us share your post. It's very popular. Yeah. And if you ever want to submit anything else, let me know. I was very excited. I was kind of keeping track of how many likes it was, and then I saw 574 plus someone, and I was just, I was really caught up back by that so yeah, that's a, it's very that's exciting lot. i think that's your top one yeah definitely our top post yeah definitely for but, sure but it's very exciting that's a lot of uh, and we're also at 291 followers i saw that 
I saw so, that today. Yes. Again, if we get to 300, we're going to do another live stream. Do you want to do a live stream with me? Because I'll do it either way. Yeah, I'll do yeah? it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay. So if we get to 300, well, how about when we get to 300? Yeah. Let's be optimistic. When we get to 300, we will do another live stream, which is very exciting. It is very exciting. So prep your prep your questions for us. Yes. Get it ready to go and tell your friends to follow us so we can make it happen. And speaking of fan art, we have an announcement. A brand new fan art contest for a new logo for this lovely podcast. So the contest was kind of my idea. So what I'm thinking of is the logo that we already have is a picture I found on the internet for Brie. But whatever our logo turns out to be, I think it would be nice if it had different elements of different books from all of the books that she's written, not just the Lunar Chronicles. And since we've only read Cinder, I don't want to give too much away, but think of iconic emoji-style elements, like the red high heel shoe. Even, so if you look at, I mean, I have my book in front of me, of course, the different stylization on the back of the books, or of the book's covers themselves, you got, for Scarlet, you got this cape. Coming out, Coke. billowing out. You have for Cress, hair wrapped in ribbon. Winter is an apple. Stars above has the really pretty crown on it. And then Fairest has a lady in a tiara and a veil with yeah. really dark hair. And and you can think of something similar to that. Plus, you know, the look at the cover of Heartless. Mm-hmm. Look at Renegades. And if you've read the series and you can come up with icons from those series and use them, that's fine too. I don't think a teeny tiny icon is going to give too much away about the stories no. as far as like spoilers go. Mm-hmm. So for example, if no one has read winter, but someone put an apple on our mm-hmm. logo, I don't think that would give too much away. The name of the story is winter. We know that it's a, it's a fairy tale adaptation and there's an apple on the cover. Yep. So it's not going to give too much away. So these are the rules. It has to be your own work. You will immediately be disqualified if I find out that the art belongs to someone else. And I kind of hate that I have to say that. It happens. It I happens. Mean, stealing art. It happens a lot. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're going to graphic design it, make sure it's pulled from the public domain. That's a good point. That's what my husband, artist, he understands. I understand. That's your, a good point. Make your own Make your own. Sh- so the other rules are you can have as many entries as you like but i need you to either number them or title them or both because if you send me four submissions right now and then two months from now you ask me about one of them i'm not going to know which one you're talking about so send in as many as you like just make sure that you uh, identify them with a title for that one or a number so we can keep track of them the next rule is you can work with a partner so long as everyone gets credit for their work. Because, yes. again, it was a joint joint, joint operation. Ever. Yes. Yeah, ever, ever operation. It's a group so project. It is a group project. And we <laughs> want to give credit where credit is due. And the deadline will be October 15th, 2019. It is coming soon. Yes. And so here's how we're going to decide. Most likely I'm going to share all of the submissions that we get on Instagram and have everybody vote on them. But the final decision will be between Becca, myself and Ashley. I do want to share them. I want to get your opinion. I want to get listeners opinions and see what you guys like, what you don't like, maybe why you like it. Maybe you like something, but you feel like it could be improved upon in some way. So yes, we will be doing 
we will be sharing all of the submissions with you. What happens if we choose your logo is, one, it will be our logo. <laughs> I will ask that you put your name somewhere on the logo, preferably in small print, uh, so that we and everyone else in the world knows who that design belongs to. You will get credit for it and a shout out on our every social media platform. But I will also put at the end of our episode a clip that the art logo design was done by so-and-so and and they can be followed at so-and-so. So you will get credit in as many places as I can give you credit and on our website as well because we have a website. You have a website. (laughs) You should also put it on the website. Yes. (laughs) And the other thing we're going to put on the website because it's someone asked for it and I will be happy to do it, but be patient because it's going to take a while. A list of all the quotes that we've done for each chapter. I love it. But the thing is... In the beginning, we weren't as organized as we are now, so I'm going to have to go back and listen to those episodes and see what our quotes were. So bear with me. I will have it done as soon as I can. And that's it for the the contest. But we do have a question. We do have a question from Renegade Anarchist on Instagram. How do you feel about never being able to meet Kai's father or being able to grasp what he is like? I hate it. But I think it's great. Like, it's a good way to talk about somebody because you like through remembering them, you get to learn about him. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it sucks. But at the same time, I mean, there are people in life that you're never going to be able to meet because they have passed. I think it's a great writing style that she, she chose for that. I've talked about it a million times, but this is a Cinderella retelling. And this is an element that is not typical in other Cinderella retellings. Mm-hmm. The prince's father, the king, the emperor, the leader is always present. And his yeah. influence on whether or not the prince marries the princess is is very impactful. Especially if you watch the cartoon Disney version where he's yeah. like smoking a cigar and he's like, go marry someone, hurry it up, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's very interesting that she decided to not just exclude him from the narrative, but literally kill him off so quickly. I like the like, thing of offing him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> off with his head. Yeah. And I think that I feel very happy with the choice that she made. I think as a literary plot device, yes. choosing to kind of thrust Kai into being an emperor before he's ready really drives the story in a very specific direction, which we see a lot of just in these two chapters. And I think that had his father been around, all of those limitations, there would have been a lot of limitations that prevented certain plots from happening. And I realize that that's like a logistics standpoint, but it needed to happen to drive the plot forward. I get what you're saying. hundred percent. It's, I thought, I thought it was great. You made me read these, and you're like, it's a fairy tale adaptation. Yeah, your voice. That's your voice <laughs> in my head. And you're, I'm like, all right, I'm going to read there this. also, like, and then, doves and rainbows coming out of my head when I say stuff yes, like that? Yes, there is always. The, look at the Taylor Swift album. That's Bethany that's in a nutshell. Like, that's, the inside, that's what the inside of Bethany's head always looks like, but also yes. unicorns. But, yeah, unicorns <laughs> jumping over, like, rainbows and stuff. No, but, so I was like, all right, cool. And I didn't expect this much death. Well, I didn't expect it as much either because, as I've mentioned before, fairy tale retellings are kind of my my bread and butter. I love fairy tale (laughs) retellings. And even if I 
I will grab a book and purchase it without even reading the back if I know it's a fairy tale adaptation. That sounds like because you. I just know that that's what I want to read. Yeah, and I've, I've yet to find one that I haven't enjoyed, so that's good. I do that with my fantasy rogue um, yeah. magic users books yeah. and things like that. And we all have different, you know, preferences. But even going into these, I had no idea these books are severe and complicated and dramatic and they dark for a young and adult. just period yeah, just period <laughs> just in first. general but what's really interesting is we're just now talking about you know that that darkness seeping in she mm-hmm. set the tone early page five we have our first instance of racism and segregation against cyborgs and by the end of the first chapter someone is being carted off to quarantines for dying of a plague that's been terrorizing the entire world i mean she set the tone for death real fast she did i didn't pick up on it until until this chapter certain things crushed me in in the books and especially in the later books like we're we're spoiler free and i'm very i'm trying really hard to keep that promise That's why I'm I'm putting off winter. <laughs> yes. But there, well, the good thing about us being spoiler free is that we get to do all these Easter eggs. And I had no idea how many of them there were. So all of them. There's like a thousand. Probably. I really, I genuinely was not expecting it, but we've had one almost every chapter. It's insane. Uh, yeah. So she really did a good job of laying the groundwork. But mm-hmm. anyways, thank you at renegade underscore anarchist on Instagram. And question. Yes, and please follow her on Instagram because she makes these really funny, really cute little videos, and I love watching them. (laughs) Of course. Okay, so let's get into chapter discussion. Yes. Which I didn't type up, so we're just going to read from our notes. I normally, this is a sneak peek behind the scenes, Bethany normally types everything up, and instead today she ate Pizza Hut, so... (laughs) We're going off of my Scribble Scrabble notebook. <laughs> yeah, it's not Scribble Scrabble. It's probably some of the nicest handwriting I've ever seen. Yeah. Look at, I just, so, she's got it in a nice little book that's... It's a blue notebook with a yellow sticker. And it says, like, podcast notes. And it's yeah. all done really, really pretty. And <laughs> it's well organized. So you look at mine and it's like, where the hell is your notebook? But so chapter sixteen, where did we leave off? I almost don't remember. We left off with something uh, our favorite quote from last week. Oh yeah. About the car getting because Cinder this, out. Look, we'll just read the whole thing. Cinder shoved the tools into her message bag because that car is going to get us out of here. That's where we left off. We she, left off at Cinder. Yeah, she's gonna she's, she's taking that pumpkin home. She's going to escape. Okay, so now Cinder's going to escape, and we don't start off with Cinder. (laughs) This is just such magnificent writing. I can picture this whole scene in my head. I picture it with, like, a handheld shaky camera, and the lights are kind of (laughs) flickering in and out, and I hear, like, some Grey's Anatomy-style music in the background where it's, like, drama, but it's, like, poppy, you know, and... I just, she describes that whole scene so well. I can really, really picture the whole thing very clearly in my mind. I could too. I kind of felt it more than anything else. Yeah, your what? heart starts to, starts to, like, to get really. Yeah. And I was like, where is he going all speedy? Where is he going off to? Where is he running? Barreled, ran all the way. How far? Can did we he- just read that whole par- paragraph? Yeah. 
Night shift nurses and androids plastered themselves to the walls as Prince Kai barreled through the corridor. He had run all the way from his bedroom on the 16th floor of the palace's private wing, pausing to catch his breath only when he was forced to wait for the elevator. He burst through the door to the visiting room and came to a halt at once, still gripping the door's handle. I think that even just that paragraph tells you exactly what's going on. It does, but it's I think so that like sweet. just knowing knowing the condition that his father is in, what else would have him reacting this way? True. You know? But I was just like, Dad, you going fast. Yes. <laughs> you so speedy, Kai. Such speed, man. Why you work out so much? <laughs> He's gotta get his gains in. He's gotta get his gains in. Yeah. So I love this whole scene and description i particularly like torin i wrote so many nice things about torin <laughs> so the first time i read this book i did not like torin i love torin but the second time i read it with a little bit of a different worldview of him and talking to bethany offline a little bit yeah we she discussed we discussed some things about him and I like him now. I like him as a character. I think he's a real solid dude. Yeah. I think he's I think he's amazing. We'll talk more about him when we get to the end of the books, but he's truly one of my favorite characters. I I underlined a few things. Panicked was one of them and then quarantine. So the Emperor has his own special quarantine. Well, that was described early on. It was, but I still I still underlined it pull a question mark because it's He's the emperor. He's the emperor. Yeah. And so I thought it was it was neat that you could see the the contrast between what the common folk went through for their quarantine and what he's going through. It's it's very neat. It is very it's a neat. good neat, but it's neat. I also underlined white cloth over his father's closed eyes, which has made me sad. It made me very sad because that means that. Kai wasn't able to be there with his father during his last breaths, and that is significant to me because I've watched people pass. Never watched somebody pass. I would not be able to see a Thestral. Mm. I've never watched someone die. It's not scary. It's strange. It's definitely it's bizarre. strange. Bizarre. Surreal. Surreal. It's just very... It's... Not looking forward to it. It's sad. It, it is it's very sad. But at the same time, like when somebody does pass and it's and they're in like a current state like the, the Emperor is right now, it's good because now he's no longer like in pain. Relief. It is a relief because yeah. he's go his spirit has passed. So right. one of the things I wrote down was I wrote so much about Torin. <laughs> so I wanted it says I really liked this line. He stayed late to work rather than return to his own home, his own bed. And in my notes, I wrote his own family, question mark. It doesn't say. It doesn't say, and I cannot remember. It but it's very interesting that, like, he didn't go home to his own bed or his own home. If he doesn't have the family, you know, if he's the type of person that's married to his work, then that kind of makes sense, especially since it seems he's been devoted to the emperor for at least the 18 years Kai has been alive, but mm-hmm. I think they indicated long before he was born. I I underlined it for a different reason. I underlined late to work and 
his own home and his own bed because when I was working at my last duty station, I worked late every single day. And the reason why was because during the day I was more focused on managing my people and making sure that they were good and the mission was getting done, that my own personal missions were not getting done. And I had to stay late in order to get everything finished. So maybe he feels like his mission is bigger than just what he has time for. I think that's a very good point. I also wonder if we mentioned before, and Becca and I kind of disagreed on this, but we mentioned before that when the Emperor first got sick, Torin was like, we need to set up a coronation. And Kai wanted to put it off. He's Mm -hmm. only been sick a couple of days. And I was on Torin's side. Somebody has to lead. It sucks. But somebody has to. This is a kingdom, a huge kingdom. Somebody has to be in charge. And this is another moment to me of Torin doing just that throughout this entire chapter. He stayed perhaps because he knew time was running out. Maybe he's been staying at the hospital a lot at the the quarantine a lot. Maybe he's been sitting there talking to the emperor and getting what he last things he wants to get out and information that they need. Yeah. And, and this is more about the diplomacy from Torin when he says we have to set up a press conference. (laughs) Kai doesn't want to, and I understand that he doesn't want to, but that's his dad. I think I mentioned it before when, President Kennedy died. He had been shot and was on his way to the emergency room mm-hmm. when he died. Yeah. And President LBJ was in the air. Yes. And when they got word that Kennedy passed, he was sworn into mm-hmm. office while flying in the air. Which it's is, important to have a leader. It's it difficult in times of loss, but somebody has to be in charge. Somebody has to lead. Yes. Because without, well, in our society, we need that leadership. It's just, it's kind of silly. Like, it's kind of, not silly. It's kind of separate. But for those of you who've read Harry Potter, in the sixth Harry Potter book, Dumbledore. Okay, spoiler, if you haven't read Harry Potter, do not listen to anything I'm going to say. So in the end of the sixth book, Dumbledore passes away and McGonagall immediately takes over. And there's this moment where... Through Harry's narration, we hear Harry think, oh, right, she's bossing everyone around because now she's the headmistress because Dumbledore has passed and she was deputy, so now she's head. This is not the same situation by any means, but it reminded me of that moment where Harry was so overcome with grief that he forgot someone needed to be in charge, Mm -hmm. but someone who needed to be in charge remembered. That's how I feel about this. Kai is overcome with grief. He doesn't care about anything else, and nor should he have to, but somebody has to, and that's where, that's Torin. Torin is that, that rock. I think because of my time and experience in the military, I get where Torin's coming from for that. Yeah, because we, I mean, we always have to have a leader. Even when our commander leaves, we get a, our director of operations to come in and be the commander. He gets put on, he or she gets put on orders to be the commander and make those commander decisions. You're never without one. And by default, something bad was to happen to the commander, then it would go on so far and so forth. So far and so forth. Of who's going to be in charge. And because, I mean, that's that's kind of how we are as a people. We need... To- that's And that's how most um, societal structures work. It's hierarchical. And 
And it has to be that way. You know, if you think about even just, I can remember times when I was in junior high and high school where one of the teachers would be principal for a couple of weeks if the Mm. principal and vice principal were gone. Yeah. And it was always, it was always like the same teacher and it was the teacher who'd been there probably longer than the principal and the vice principal. True that. You know? (laughs) So it's always, it's always somebody has to be in charge and it's hard and, and it's a difficult situation to be in. Okay. So, anyways, Torin is awesome, and he's awesome. He's the what did I write in my note? Yeah, I wrote Kai is lucky to have Torin. Yes, diplomacy sucks, but Torin is right. Someone has to lead. I feel like Torin is that that uncle that knows what's best for you and is always there for you. I have mostly aunts, but. Uh, my aunts, I have an aunt that's like that, and in times of hardship or anything like that, I can reach out to her, and she's going to be on my side, but she's also going to give me the words of advice that I need and the shit that I need to hear. Because sometimes you need that tough love. I think of it as someone who is good in a crisis. <laughs> yes. I'm the type of person that I'm good in a crisis. But I'm not always the most level-headed when I have time to emotionally attach to certain things. Ooh, yeah. But in the middle of a dramatic crisis situation, I'm able to separate everything really easily. But I think of Torin as he's good in a crisis. He is able to... This is where Torin reminds me of my husband, Quentin. He is able to immediately separate emotion from diplomacy and just think logically and set his emotions aside. He's able to compartmentalize that I am not very good at that (laughs) but my husband can do it really well and this is the type of thing that makes him good at what he does and I think that that's what makes Torin good at what he does true yeah Torin the next thing I have underlined is the fact that Kai is thinking very he's allowed to be this way he's thinking very selfishly his youth his freedom he's just afraid Honestly, that's what I got. He was very... So very what did, I wrote, like, an entire sentence. Okay, go ahead. I wrote, you are never prepared for the loss of a loved one, especially a parent. Mm-hmm. Kai is saying goodbye to his youth and his freedom, but literally he is also saying goodbye to the moderately responsibility-free life he has always had. He will virtually never have another private moment in his life. It's true. Yeah. I agree 100%. Even as the prince, he's probably sort of flown under the radars to a certain extent. Maybe he didn't always have to show up to the board meetings. Yep. Maybe he could show up late. Maybe, you know, he could miss this or miss that. Or I don't feel good and he didn't have to go. Or he could doodle and take notes in the background without actually having to participate. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, instead of of actually participating in board meetings, maybe he could just goof off in the background and text his friends. And now he legit needs to be present. Present, aware, objective. I do have one thing to say that's a little off. It's a calm, not a text in this environment. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> so, Cal- calming his friends calm in the background. Friends. But yes, I agree with everything else that you said, though. It's like, it's called Instacom instead of Instagram. <laughs> Instacom! It's Instacom instead of Instagram, so he's, or like, maybe, in the back scrolling. <laughs> maybe it's Comgram. Comgram. <laughs> we need to figure out what we want social media platforms to be like in Marissa it's, Meyer's future. It's Facecom. Um, it's oh Facecom. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting into a rabbit hole. Yeah, we are. But so, I like... I also like where Torrin says that he's going to be a good emperor. He makes it final. 
he's very direct about it. Like, hey, yo, bro, you're going to be a good emperor. You will be a good emperor, said Torrent, <laughs> as he was. Very. You say it in the voice from the... <laughs> I try. I try. I'm not very good at voices, but I try. But, so Torrent tells him, yo, bro, straight up, you're going to be a good emperor. And he's over there in his own brain like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I can't do... What did he say? He couldn't do he this. He flinched away from him. Like, Torrin, Torrin was like, dude, you're gonna be as cool as your dad. And Kai was like, eee. Oh, come on. That's a hard pass. I'm gonna let down hard, this team. Hard pass. <laughs> how about no? Yeah, no. There's. I like that listeners... Ashley wrote in her book, You Can! Exclamation <laughs> point. Yes, I did. She believes in Kai. I do. Let it, be, let it be known to the world that Ashley is Team Kai. I am Team Kai. <laughs> I also... I hate this next part. Not gonna lie. I absolutely hate this next part. This... Alright, we gotta talk about this. For sure. So, we meet the Queen Lavana of Luna... Luna. This, this, okay, this is what happens. Kai loses his father. He gets there just a second too late to say goodbye to his father. He sees this sheet, the white sheet, go over his head. He's bombarded with these emotions and the realization that he will be emperor. Soon. He has to do a press conference in the morning. And Torin is already planning everything out. And he feels like he can't do this. And then, Ooh. incoming... Incoming communication for Crown Prince Kaito of the Eastern Commonwealth from Queen Lavana of Luna. Like, he doesn't have enough going on already. Right? Which is basically what he says. <laughs> He's got a headache. The air thickens, but neither of them moved. And so, in my book, when you turn the page... At the top of the page, it says, how could she know? But before I turned the page, I wrote... I wrote... How the f*** did she know so f- fast this is f- crazy? <laughs> so I did too. And I did too. And I underlined conspiracy theories. Yes, I, wrote, I made a note of that too. I wrote, this entire scene is intense with hesitant and unwanted anticipation. That's beautiful. Thank you. That was, that's, go. Go, Bethany. <laughs> yes, it is. It, and he... I just like the conspiracy theories. That's what I get stuck on is because it's... I love conspiracy theories. I I find them interesting. They're interesting, but I always find them silly. But I just... Technically, the world not being flat was a conspiracy theory. I'm just saying. I know. No one thought he could... No one thought it was around for a really long time. True, true, true. There's still people that don't believe it. Honestly... If the the world was flat, the cats would have knocked everything off already. That's Just funny. saying. <laughs> but I like that. I like that he Torin just looks at him. Tor again. This is again. This is Torin being the voice of reason, being the level headed, calm man that he is. He yeah. says, "Perhaps the Thaumaturge or her guards saw you running through the castle in the middle of the night. What else could it mean?" Well, that's what I said too. That's it. What he's exactly right. I I mean, get, he's giving Lavana the benefit of the doubt when yes. I think Kai is right, but he's trying to be devil's advocate and look at everything logistically. I get it. He's logical in the way that he does things. He kind of reminds me of Spock. That's why I like Torin now. 
<laughs> so here we go. I'm going to read this whole paragraph. Go ahead. I just, all right. This, everybody get ready to meet the queen. The screen brightened. Kai bristled at the sight of the lunar queen, her head and shoulders draped in an ornate cream colored veil, like a perpetual bride. All that could be seen beneath the shroud was a hint of long, dark hair and the ghost of her features. The explanation told by the Lunars was that their queen's beauty was a gift not to be seen by undeserving Earthens. But Kai had heard that in reality, the queen's glamour, her ability to make people see her as divinely beautiful by manipulating their brainwaves, could not translate over the net screens. Therefore, she never allowed herself to be seen over them. All right, that's just one paragraph, but we have a lot to talk about. That's creepy as that's, I think that's what I wrote in my notes, too, was, like, that she was super cre- creepy. Oh, I wrote, <laughs> my notes just says creepy veil. No, wait, read the whole paragraph. <laughs> what, I, what I said was that I love the way that they talk about her. Straight up. Love it. it gives I you a love that you don't see her. Yes. It's I scary. love that we don't get to see what she looks like. It's kind of like... I don't know, like, you know, how there's a boogeyman under the bed. Like, you don't oh, see him, but yeah. you know he's there. Maybe you hear him. Maybe mm-hmm. We don't get to actually put a face to the horror yet. And I yes. think that that's kind of cool. And then there's there's some more going on here. But the what did you underline? I underlined, may I be the first to offer my condolences on your loss of, or the loss of your father and the good Emperor Riken. That's your first... <gasps> Why is she the first? Why the the yeah? Hell How does she, she know she's the first? Is the thing right? Ooh, that's so a good one. I think that this whole thing was skipped, like scripted, choreographed, and she was just ready to pounce as soon as he died. With you, with your conspiracy theories, I that bitch was waiting. <laughs> you cannot tell me that in the what is it? It hasn't even been fifteen minutes. In the fifteen minutes since he died. Assuming that she found out that quick. Not only did she find out, she had this entire speech written out in 15 minutes. No, this girl has been prepped. Oh, yeah. This girl had, she knew when she wanted to come. She knew, she had her, like, veil picked out already. (laughs) She had camera angles and lighting ready to go. And she had her script perfectly planned out, final draft and everything. Mm -hmm. I want to mention, we don't talk about how old she is yet, but... I want to know how old she is. I don't think we find out for a while. I don't think we do I can't either. remember how old she is, but when I know I, she's supposed to be older. No 18-year-old that I know is this well-spoken, so I know that she's a little bit older than him. And she has been, she's very cunning, she's very smart from what we, we're, our small interaction with her just in this beginning. She knows what she's doing. So we don't actually know her age yet. I don't think we're given her age. We are given the indication, however, that she killed her three-year-old niece, Celine. Yeah. 13 years ago. Yeah. So let's assume that she killed her three-year-old niece at the age of 15. That would still make her 28 years old. So she'd still be, and that's committing homicidal murder at the age of 15. But these lunars are crazy. Allegedly. 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 I like that. <laughs> Allegedly, because... Because that's a conspiracy, too. It is. I just get the 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 viewpoint of her being old. I do, too. Because but I of picture, what she says. I picture someone, like, 35. 
Or yeah. someone trying to act 35, I should say. I would say. say act 35. Somebody who's trying to... You know, like those people on TV where they're like, it's my 39th birthday, and it's been like their 39th birthday for like four years or something. I turned 21 for the, the fifth time this year. I'm turning 30 this year, <laughs> and I feel like a thousand years old. You're but. not. <laughs> I just... It's your reeks of... Not wisdom... Definitely cunning. She's got she's got a high cunning score. She definitely rolled high there. Sorry, D and D stuff. I feel <laughs> but, like she reeks of decorum and finishings. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, but I also think that she's got she's got wisdom. She does. She definitely she's got speaks. wisdom and knowledge. Yes, yes. And I think that that drips from the way that she talks to kind of good word drips. Is it too much? I feel like we're just reading the book to everyone, so I don't want to keep, I don't want to just, I, like, want to read everything that she says, but let's just start here. Um, she basically says that she's just gonna show up. Ta-da! I'm here. She's like, sorry that he died. It's a big bummer. <laughs> but I don't see why that's gonna prevent us from talking about marriage alliances. Oh, wait, I don't think she says marriages. She doesn't. Just just, I look forward to continuing the talk of an alliance with you as the new leader. I, 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 I definitely wrote in my notes, congratulations in the flesh. Ew. Because for some reason that really stuck out to me. I think I wrote gross. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote, I wrote gross flesh. Yuck. I will. <laughs> and then I also wrote on there that she's inviting herself. And what did I write? Basically, she's instructing him on how to attend to her because she's coming over. So I got a very mother-in-law feeling from this. Like oh, a see, bad mother I, You have a great mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. <laughs> I don't have a mother-in-law, but I got straight up Just like the stereotypical representation of mother-in-laws. So feeling of, like, angsty mother-in-law tension. I get the feeling of, like... I don't know, maybe because we know there's a marriage alliance on the line, but I get that feeling of, like, you can always tell when one person is more invested in a relationship than the other, especially if it's, like, a really oh. unhealthy relationship. So this is a little juvenile, but I feel like it's, it's you know, like, when you're in high school and there's this girl that's obsessed with a boy who really doesn't care. Yes. That's how I feel. Lavana's obsessed with a boy that really doesn't care. She's got his name on her doodled notebooks with little <laughs> little little hearts and yeah. Lavana and Kai forever. Okay. And Kai is straight up like oh. No. Kai is Kai is Kai is not giving his consent. He does not Kai's, want Kai doesn't want you to come over and play Lavana. He wants you to stay at home. He wants you to stay on the friggin' moon. He wants you to stay on the moon. That was an interesting turn of phrase. Did you notice that she my shuttle is prepared. I can depart as soon as your next sunrise. I did notice that. I, I thought that was a very. It, I thought it was a very interesting turn of phrase. Just the fact that she emphasized the word "your." The reason why I did so, I didn't underline any a part of her speech, and there's a reason why. Because when I first read it, I was disgusted with it. But the second time that I read it, I was like, "This sounds like her." I think I just think it's very choreographed. Like she clearly scripted and rehearsed this before saying it. Mm -hmm. And so basically, that's her message: that she's sorry in quotations <laughs> that Emperor Riken died. She's looking forward to talking to Kai about 
an alliance in person because she's just going to show up uninvited. Ta-da! And she's super sorry and sends her sympathies that no one believes. So... We call that high school games that she's playing. I love Kai's reaction because it's basically my reaction. I feel like he's flipping a table. I yeah, <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> yeah, he's flipping a table. Oh gosh, yes. She, I would be. Well, that's what she wants to come here now. It hasn't even been fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. He's furious, and I would be too. Like this is just. I don't. She. How does she know? I. How does she know? Conspiracy theories. That's right. all I say. She didn't even give him the opportunity to decline. No. He didn't say anything. She just talked over him. She didn't, he didn't even say, like, hello. All he did was turn on the comm, and she started talking. Yep, yep, And yep, then yep, she yep. turned off the comm. So she never even waited for him to respond. She never even was like, hi, how are you? She didn't even wait for him to no. confirm. She just called and was like, yo, your dad's dead. I'm coming over. What a dick. What a bitch. <laughs> that's like a, that's from one of my coworkers. She says it all the time. She's going to beep, 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 beep. Well, so, okay, while we're on the topic of Bethany beeping things out of episodes, <laughs> there are two words I have not beeped out, and just in case no one knows why, I will be happy to explain. I have not re- beeped out the word bitch or ass. Here's why. According to PG3 ratings, which we have, you can use bitch and ass. Oh, shit. What up? So, I apologize to any parents who hear that and don't like it. Also, don't let your kids watch Friends or How About Your Mother or any other sitcom because they're allowed to use those words. So, anyways, sorry for that. Oh, I thought I you just, were beeping out everything I was saying, honestly. <laughs> I beep out. Well, like, my favorite word is so that gets beeped yeah, out yeah. a lot. But I put... Because how he, the emperor lost so much weight in the past week, one week, that he looked more like an, a mannequin than a man's body. That's what he looked like. Because once you die, you lose, you do lose, a, once you're in those stages of death, you lose a lot of weight because you don't want to eat anything. I mean, it's going to look like a mannequin rather than a man's because now you're associating it with a lifeless body. Well, that's how I I feel it it went through, but... So, I have seen several of my... I haven't physically witnessed anyone die, but I have been to several funerals. Different types of funerals because of my culture, but typically, if someone has suffered a long illness, they lose a lot of weight. Yes. So, that's what I wasn't picturing anything like that. What I did in my notes was I drew another connection to AIDS again. Oh, yeah. Because we talked a lot Mm -hmm. about how there are a lot of correlations between letimosis and AIDS. Yeah. And I think that this is another connection that I made because typically when people die from HIV or AIDS, by the time their bodies have gotten to that point where the disease has fully taken over, Mm -hmm. they have lost a lot of blood, like a lot of weight and their bones are sort of more prominent than their skin and their muscle tissue. So that's what I was picturing. I also pictured along with what you, what you said. Yes, I feel that too, but also their skin looking weak. Death pallor is a different. No, 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 but it's supposed to be blue and black because of letimosis. Oh yeah. For him, it's specific. Because of his, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like his skin would look weak instead of like healthy skin. 
Not like the bruises and stuff, but it would look fragile. Yeah. Like paper. Well, and it's, it's very poetic what she wrote here. His father was no longer there, unable to protect Kai, unable to offer advice, unable to lead his country ever again. So Kai knows that he has to step up and lead. He just doesn't want to. And I understand why he doesn't want to. I mean, not from a personal standpoint, obviously. I've never been an emperor. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I feel like this is a very sad chapter. Well, and we, go, we get the gross marriage alliance thing was from Icky. Kai. And this, she just, like, she doesn't, he even says, what does he say? That he doesn't want her there. Like, can't we tell her not to come? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this bitch doesn't even need consent. She's just going to show up. Poof. And, oh, by the way, 12 years? <sighs> Did you notice that? Yeah. She's the one who's been threatening war for the last 12 years. So she's at least been in charge long enough for it to have been 12 years, 12 years of yeah. threatening war. I put, I just underlined threatening because I liked... I liked how she was threatening war, and she's going to... I felt act. like 12... I really wanted it to say 13 years, but that's just me. But <laughs> just because that's, like, a really poetic number. But 12 years is a long time to be threatening war. And we know that Celine allegedly was murdered by Lavana 13, 13 years ago. Ooh. So a mere year after taking the throne... She's over here trying to make a war. She's over here trying to start war. Hmm. I... To back up a little bit, I did underline cry of pain and not wearing any shoes because it made me, it humanized him a little bit in this chapter. Made us realize that he had brand hair with no shoes on. Probably his feet hurt. But oh, also, I had already pictured him without feet, without shoes. I pictured him in like pajamas, like a, like a white beater and sweatpants and but, barefoot. Oh. And so maybe, wear, maybe a robe like blowing in the wind behind him, you know? I wear slippers if I have to walk out because I've got hardwood floor. So I always wear slippers downstairs. Oh, okay. So I always wear shoes, but I also, to front track, I don't think that's a word, but to go we'll a little use bit forward, it. I like how Torin tells him discussions have to go two ways. It, where we have to listen to her, she's got to f***ing listen to us. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing we find out is Kai asks, what's all these accommodations that they have to make? And Torin says, removing the mirrors. Yeah. Why, you may yeah. ask. Why mirrors? We will... I guess we'll find out. Have <laughs> to wait. So the ending of this chapter is really, really ominous because we go from... The beginning is horrible, too, but the ending of the chapter is what my quote is, so I'll just go ahead and say it. Go say it. No, Torrin sighed. Tomorrow will be a dark day for the Commonwealth. That was my quote. I love Torin so much. Somebody has to be the adult. It yes. sucks. I'm sorry, but Torin, you you do a great job at it. And it's funny because that was what I was going to, but I was like, no. You and I are like way too on the same page. <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, no, I've been choosing the last line of all every single <laughs> chapter so far. I got to do something different. So I actually chose it from earlier in it. And I said, we will mourn together. I thought that was empowering because when you do mourn somebody, you have to mourn together. You can't do it alone. You have yeah. to have your support system with you. And Becca's quote, and she put it in quotation. She said, quote, my favorite quote, even knowing that it was coming, that his father was sick with this incurable disease. It still made no sense. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's it a never good one. does. It never does. Death is the next, the next journey. 
So for that chapter, there are two Easter eggs, I think, that I wrote. Yep, there are two Easter eggs. And now we're going to do chapter 17. So if you want to take a break and come back, now's the time to do it. Okay, so now we're going to do chapter 17. And okay. we're starting back with Cinder. Now, when we left Cinder last, she was going to go take her pumpkin. She was going to take her pumpkin. And we opened this chapter. I immediately was thinking she can't silence her phone. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, can she not turn off these notifications? She she's sleeping. This would have this would be so annoying. Like every time you're trying to do something, you can't just turn it off. You can't. And but what she receives is very important. So maybe she can't turn off important messages. Maybe it only blocks certain things. Well, what is the message that she gets, Ashley? The message that she gets is, Com received from New Beijing District 29, Letimosis Quarantine. Lynn Peony has entered the third stage of Letimosis at 0457 on 17 August 126 TE. Lynn Oh, no. Not the third <sighs> stage. So the emperor has fallen, and yes. now Peony is in the final stage. And this is the message that she literally wakes up to. She was asleep, <sighs> and she literally, while she's sleeping, there's a ping darted through Cinder's head, and it wakes her from her sleep that her sister is in the, the third and final stage of the disease. What a terrible way to wake up. She's had a terrible day. Yeah. It's just getting worse. Worse. It is. And... I underlined that she, her muscles ached from her windowless bedroom. Oh, we need to mention her bedroom. <laughs> Becca, Becca pointed out, she texted it to me. She calmed you. She calmed me. Becca calmed me. Windowless wouldn't even legally be a bedroom. So all Bethany's bedroom speculation was quite valid. She has no bed and no legal bedroom. Please, please. Yes. Ma'am, you are correct, Becca. This girl does not have a bedroom. She doesn't have a bedroom. And her muscles ache. Well, my muscles would ache, too, if I slept in a corner full of blankets. Same. And if you had gone to the... On a, on a midnight jaunt to the junkyard. <laughs> a trip, if you will. I wrote in my notes, the pumpkin has been moved to a new garden. Oh, that's, that's literally adorable. what I wrote. That's so, that's so poetic. <laughs> You're so good with this word thing. I Yeah, that's what she was doing all night. This, I have to everyone's laugh. out partying, and Cinder is stealing a pumpkin <laughs> and pushing it across town. I, and I think I wrote in there, yeah, I wrote, how much help is Iko in terms of pushing this oh car God. across town? Right? Like, uh, none, guys. None. Zero. She's moral support. She's, she is She's help. moral support, but you know Iko is not like, come on, we can do this. She's like... Cinder, do we have to keep push this? Oh, I hate this thing. It smells. You can't smell Iko. Well, if I could, you know, that's how Iko is not enjoying herself at the no. moment. She's grossed out by this stupid pumpkin that Cinder I like, wants. I like how you talked about pushed, because what I saw What did was, it say? Sorry. It says in neutral while she and Iko pushed and pulled. Yeah, it's in pushed. But it's just how you described it was beautiful, because that's how I pictured it in my head. But it was in neutral, and they're pushing it, like, when... When your car just runs out of gas, if you've ever or heard if that. you have, like, a stick shift and an old starter. Yeah. 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 You, gotta push, you gotta push start it. Yeah. Oh, anyone who's not old like us doesn't know what we're talking about. She pushes this car across town with Iko's help, presumably. 
You mentioned smell, and I go complaining about smell, and that's what the next thing I underlined was, as long as no one complained about the smell, it would remain her little secret when I go. Yeah. And it's interesting that she worried about the smell, because I was thinking for a second, why would it matter? And then it's because no one has cars in the future, so the smell of cars that we have become so accustomed to in our society is completely gone. The rubber, the gasoline. The gasoline, the oil, the the exhaust. They talk about how there were rats inside. Yeah, so it probably doesn't smell like new car smell on the inside. Like a nasty car. I also underlined that at least no nightmares woke her. Well, before that, I wrote, um, excuse me, you can turn her on and off. Oh, for I go? No, Cinder had crashed like someone had hit her power button. You can turn her on and off. Like, sometimes you gotta restart things to make it work right. I know, but it's just such a vulnerability that I can't, I just, I just... As my husband would mock me for saying, I just can't even. So I just can't even. I know people that can. I work with. They can turn themselves on and off. Yes, (laughs) but not in that naughty way. (laughs) Like I have a I have a coworker. He will come into the office and we'll be talking about something stupid during lunchtime, and he'll fall asleep in the office within one to five minutes. Okay, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking talking about. I'm talking about someone can unsuspectingly come up. And turn her off. That's a vulnerability that's different than someone falling asleep during a conversation. (laughs) That's like way different things. So I find it bizarre because I don't fall asleep that fast. It takes me. It's definitely bizarre, but I was just pointing out because I think it's a vulnerability of (laughs) hers that someone can just shut her off. So IT corner, make sure you get your. uh, your cinders patched so that you don't leave yourself open to vulnerabilities. Yes. So make, turn yes. off again. make sure you have a passcode lock <laughs> so that you can't just hit the off button. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, no nightmares until the message woke her. I hate that. That's why I underlined it because I hate that she has nightmares. We know that she has nightmares. I know we do. It but was I hate described that. for like three paragraphs. I know, but I hate it. Everybody, I, hate I get it. nightmares all the time. Most of mine are stupid. I don't get, I don't dream, so. No, mine are vivid. I always have very vivid dreams. I, I just don't like that. Yes, the message is better to wake her up, but at the same time, I mean, at least it's no nightmares, but. Yeah. I don't like that she had a, she had a nightmare. So, I pretty much didn't write anything for all these paragraphs, because I just was like, oh my god, we're going to see Peony. Oh, yeah. But you wrote some stuff. I said, I thought it was interesting how in the quarter you can hear people there. So these walls are very thin. Yeah, of course. It's a, well, we talked about that before in the apartment when she and was describing it, how you could hear the children but everywhere. this is kind of like in the middle of the night, almost. Oh, I wasn't picturing morning middle news. of the night. I was thinking I like four dawn, or five in the morning. Dawn, I guess. Yeah. But at the same time, like that... How noisy does it have to be? That must be a terrible place to live in. Um, well, it just says she could hear someone pacing on the next floor and a net screen mumbling the morning news. So someone is probably upstairs getting the message that Riken, that Emperor Riken true. died, and that's why they're pacing. Yeah. So, which, it's she should have gotten a comm for that. She should have. Maybe she does later, I don't remember. Maybe she turns it off. Yeah, maybe she turns off her BBC News notifications. That's the only news app I have. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this, it's a good one, honestly. Yeah. Incredible. So that's all that matters. But 
It was in the industry district, 15 miles outside of the city limits. And it's close. 15 miles is close. But I'm from the Midwest, so, like, 100 miles is close to us. Well, I mean, like, my hometown, the closest Target was, like, 30 minutes. I still went once or twice a week. Yeah. But now the closest Target is literally an eight-minute walk (laughs) from my house, and I legit walk over there all the time, so. I just thought it was really close to have a quarantine area so close to the city limits. It seems kind of sketch. Yes, I agree. And then how she blinks away her map. Yep, she can just blink and it's gone. And then how she has already depleted her account. Well, first... Okay. It seems... The description of the quarantine, to me, I was picturing, like, a really large old hangar. Oh. Yeah. Were you picturing that? Yes. Just a really large warehouse. Yes, but, like, specifically, I was picturing the giant doors, Mm -hmm. the dome shape of the ceiling. Yeah. So, I was picturing an old hangar. But, yeah, she depleted her funds. I had so many opinions on this. I said, dang, girl, what did you buy? So, here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote... I wrote, she slash they're broke already. How much did they get for volunteering Cinder? If they're broke already, how was Audrey going to pay for anything after Cinder left? Seriously, bitch needs to get her finances together. (laughs) And by bitch and her, I meant Audrey. This is Audrey's financial hiccup. Because she just, quote, donated her her cyborg daughter for science, basically. So... She should have just gotten that money, right? So, why are they broke already? Also, if they're broke already, should Cinder really be drawing this much attention to herself? Because her bank account is going to be separate. It is separate, and that's what I read it as, is her own separate account. I don't think so. However, could debit her nearly a depleted account. But, but, the doctor... Has not had time to set up an account for her yet. Okay. It was only, like, 12 hours ago that she even left the the, the office. Yeah. And he even said that he was going to have to figure out how to do it without Audrey. Like, it might take him a little bit of time to figure out how to mm-hmm. set up an account that Audrey wouldn't know about and wouldn't have access to. Okay. So, just, it has to be from their, their, their joint communal account. family account. Yeah. I just, I was, I don't know, I just read it differently. That's how I, I viewed it. But I also, I was hoping, you know, optimistic that finance in the future is going to be a little bit better than what we deal with today, but... So we get to the quarantine zone. We do. This is such a bleak, but... This is a very bleak, but very detailed in a good way description of the quarantines. I feel like we get a sense of the smell, the atmosphere... The temperature of the room, maybe texture of the room, you know, because I feel like it's a little muggy when you walk in. And it's the sound, the different sounds that you're hearing. I The haze that you see with your eyes when you're walking around. Miasma, that's a word. (laughs) What does it mean? That haze. The haze of, like, smog. It's a greenish type of vapor. I don't think that's what she's describing here. She isn't, but that's how you described it. That's what I see. That's the immediate word that comes up. Oh, I wasn't thinking of, like, a gas haze. I was thinking of a haze, like, blurry. Blurry? Yeah. I I underlined excrement and rot, just because those were... Yeah, the smell. That's what I was saying, too. The smell of the atmosphere is really... She really does a good job of touching all of our senses, because also, if there's a smell bad enough, you kind of taste it, too. I feel violated with how well she is good at describing this. Because you can really put yourself in this this 
atmosphere. It's oh, horrible. It is. It's horrid. It's horrible. Yeah. And this is I, where Peony and all of the other Letamosis victims are suffering. But it does say that it was kind of constructed very quickly, fast. right? Because yes. they weren't expecting the sickness to, like, get as close to the well-populated areas. I... Hundreds with an S of beds. So there's more than just 100 beds here. There's at least 201. Yes. Yeah. And donations and scraps. So people, I also, when I was the guest the first time, what I liked about that, I remember distinctly, is that sense of community I talked about. That the community came together and gave donations to this, to the cause. And I yeah. really liked that. I, I thought that was a pleasant thing in this bleak so what i also thought of when it said donations and scraps was what happened to all of peony's stuff oh and maybe it ends up in places like this if it's already been exposed to the disease maybe and it so could, it could be a mix of both it could um be. uh flies flies everywhere flies everywhere and again you can they filled the room with buzzing again this is another way for us to not just see but here, but here, smell. Ugh. Yeah. it's It's got all... She's touching us. She's touching us. I also underlined port screens. Those who still had their senses were hunkered over port screens, their last communication to the outside world. I have it underlined for two reasons. Because first and foremost, I think of a port screen as, like, a very big phone. Not as big as an iPad, but maybe about the same size as an iPad mini. Ooh, you know what I was just picturing? My friend's kid has a game that's like uh it's like a tablet mm-hmm. sideways rectangle and you hold it on both sides. Oh, a switch? Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's that. It could I be think like that's what I picture. Okay. That's I, what I picture. I picture it as just like a tablet type thing. But I I underlined it because of that reason. I wanted to mention that that's how I thought about it. And then how attached to technology these people are like they are obsessed with it we think that we're bad now but we're very quickly becoming wally but also what else do they have to do because here's my thing they are sick and dying in a place that looks bad smells bad is it it sounds bad they probably hear people retching all the time true dying all the time the medroids are running around bossing people around apparently stealing id chips we'll get to that but yeah, why wouldn't you want to be on your phone and be distracted? When I'm sick, I love to like lay on my couch and just watch an episode of Friends with my, I have a heated blanket and it's my lifeline when I'm not feeling well. The port screens just, I, I just think it. that it's something to help distract them. But it you're is. right, they could be using books or televisions they could or be radios, radios, things like that. Playing I mean, cards we can... with each other. I guess that's probably not enjoyable, but maybe... I don't know. I get that sense of community from what we read in here that I think that they would be playing cards, but maybe not together in this situation because they are so... They're in a bad place. Bad place. And it's just... They don't have any human interaction, and I think that's really sad, too. I use my phone for the podcast. Yes. Same. (laughs) And... Do you get on Facebook on your cell phone? I have to get on Facebook for my job. Okay. Because that's how people communicate with the bookshop. Okay. Do you get on your... You do Instagrams. 
for the podcast. Uh, podcast. If you look at my Instagram, I haven't been doing a lot with it. You ain't got anything on there. So here's my thing. I used to be on my phone too much because Mm -hmm. when we first moved here, I didn't have any friends and Mm -hmm. I was unemployed and my husband worked all day. So other than working out and hanging out with my dogs, I didn't have a lot to occupy my time. And I found that I was on my phone a lot. Mm -hmm. So I have gotten in the habit of if I'm on my phone and it's not productive, I will put it down and grab a book. I have started that Yeah, I would rather spend my time scrolling through the pages of a book rather than scrolling through random pictures on Instagram. Yeah. And that's only because, like, unless it's for the podcast, my Instagram is, like, just a rabbit hole of, like, Doctor Who gifts. And and, fitness. And fitness (laughs) and, like, Taylor Swift videos and Selena Gomez and American Ninja Warrior videos because I love American Ninja Warrior. Like, it's just – it's just – a rabbit hole and it's very difficult to pull yourself out of it but it cell phones have become a third arm to so many humans people there are literal anxiety disorders that people mm-hmm. are developing we talked about it at dinner once because you had your phone on the table we did yes, yes because i had just read an article but, that people put a cell phone on the table when they're at dinner because they need to know if someone's going to message them and you said yeah i'm going to message my aunt oh no my my cousin your cousin and i said yeah. what if you didn't have a cell phone you would have had to have just, if this were 10 years ago. It would be way different. You wouldn't have your cell phone. I mean, I didn't have a cell phone in high school, but I was one of like three in my entire school. Well, you are a lot younger than I am too. I am a lot younger. Well, well not a lot. Four years, but but yeah. still, there's a di- there's an there's age a gap there. But I just, it's just one of those things where people have become so accustomed to their cell phones and especially people who have had cell phones influence them their whole lives, like 16 to 20 year olds, mm-hmm. for example. They don't necessarily remember what it was like without cell phones. I do. And I get very nostalgic for that. And I have (laughs) very few friends. Amy. Mm -hmm. Shout out, Amy. The girl that went to Target with me today. Yeah. She is one of the few friends I have where she and I will spend hours. And I do mean plural hours. Three to five. Yeah. Interacting with each other without either one of us ever touching our cell phones. Oh, that's beautiful. And I don't have, even my husband doesn't do that. Because my husband and I will be talking about something and he'll get it in his head like, oh, I need to look this up so I can, you know. So, and that's fine. I'm not holding it against you. Use your cell phone. Let it be your third arm. I'm just saying that that's a thing. This type of society where they have their phones even when they're not feeling well, like what that's exactly where our society is it's headed. Going. Yeah. And all the people that I know in my life currently, all of the people that I spend time with, including you. Oh yeah. Everyone is always on their phones. And I cannot tell you how many times I'm in the middle of a conversation with someone. I'm looking at them, they're looking at me, our words are coming out of both of our mouths, and they reach for their phone. Yep. Even if it doesn't go off. They do. They reach for it. They reach for their I've phone. Been, I, ever since we had that conversation, I've been trying to get better. I deleted <laughs> Facebook off my phone for that reason. Yeah, because, because Facebook you, notifications go off like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, turn, I, I mean, I have no to, I have next to none of my notifications on, but that's, but that's the, the point. But that's the point that I'm trying to make is that our society is no better than this one, oh, and no. it's in the future. And I genuinely think that if we were to have a quarantine set up right now for whatever reason... They would be on their phones. Oh, yeah. What else are they going to do? Watch Guy Fieri. Oh, sorry. When I was hospitalized, I watched Guy Fieri. Oh. But anyway, 
<laughs> I don't necessarily blame them because I think no. this is exactly what our society would be doing now, hundreds of years in the past, theoretically. I, I just feel like it's it's kind of sad. See, I kind of feel bad for the people that don't have a phone because that means this is what they're just staring into the think, void. Think about think about it like this: if you don't have a phone, but I do, and we're both in the quarantines, we're having very different experiences. The yeah. only thing that you can do because you don't have a phone is listen to the sound of everyone around you dying and vomiting and crying and moaning. Listen or watch as everyone around you dies. Mm-hmm. Watch as everyone around you soils themselves, yeah. wretches everywhere. Like watch the Medroids cut out ID chips like crazy. Yeah. This is, that's all you get to experience for the last oh. few days of your life. But if I have a cell phone, I can watch old friends reruns. I can read a book. Yeah. I can play the only game on my phone is Scrabble, but you can play a game. Like, there's so much more that you're getting rather than just sitting there waiting for death. And that's, I think that's, I mean, I don't know if that's your personal experience, what you would do, but in my personal experience of doing that, I would reach out to somebody who maybe doesn't have something like this and interact with them with the phone, probably. But Well, we don't know that they're not doing that. Yes, there's yeah. hundreds of people there. She's not looking at all of them. No, she's looking for... She's looking for Peony, and she, she finds, finds her. <laughs> yeah. Let's get back on track. Though she was shivering, her forehead glistened with sweat. She looked like an old woman just this side of death. Yes. I hated that. Poor Peony. I hated I I hated that she looks like this. I like Peony. I always I loved her from the minute we met her. And I also pointed out in my notes that Peony doesn't mind touching she reaches for the metal steel. Mm-hmm. She doesn't mind touching Cinder's cyborg part. She's just so happy to see her sister. Yes, and she asks to take her home. She's got a scratchy little voice. Oh, baby, Peony. I like. I don't like this chapter. <laughs> I'm just gonna straight up say it. It's it makes you sad. Just because you always like the way I write my notes, I'll read I what do. I read. Yes. What I wrote. Peony is the essence of innocence. So scared, and she just wants to make. She just wants to make sense of her unexpected and bleak circumstances. She is so innocent. She is the essence She's of innocence. The, the part that kills me. So I'm not going to focus too much on the little parts. This is there's this is a really long chapter and we're not going to spend six hours with you guys on this. What <laughs> we want to what I want to focus on is Cinder has gone is we spent like a 15 minute tangent on cell phones. Yes. Cinder has gone to the quarantines to see her sister to bring her a blanket. And her sister is happy to see her. And Peony says, I'm being punished for something. She's so innocent and sweet. And that's where I where I put where I wrote that she was the essence of I innocence. Think I with yours to piggyback in quotation marks off that. <laughs> Only the good die young. And I th- I also like how she's she's very excited to see Cinder. She's very shocked to see Cinder. She, she asks Cinder how are you here? Why are you here? You can sleep next to me. I wrote about that. I wrote, she wants Cinder to share her bed, a level of affection that would have made Audrey cringe. Right. And Cinder tells her that she's not sick. She went to the the research center and found out that she doesn't, she can't get letamosis. But uh, I noticed she skipped the part about why she was at the research center. Well, of course she skipped it. Peony's younger than her. I understand that, but she... She's... All right. So, I want to latch on to innocence. Peony is innocent. Peony is innocent. 
my thing is Peony. I understand that Peony is distracted by a lot that's going on right now, but she didn't find it weird that her sister was just walking into the research center and walking back out for no reason. But she, does. I don't think Peony's stupid. Uh, I think yeah. Peony can put two and two together. She, because she literally just says, "I went to the Letimosis Research Center yesterday and they tested me." Peony's not dumb. She knows what that means. She knows she heard her mother threaten Cinder with that countless yes. times, and when. Cinder's rubbing Peony's hand and she moves more anxiously about it. I also, Peony asks her in desperation, don't let me die. I also. What is the TB here? Tuberculosis. Along with a thin trail of blood, harsh cough with blood, I thought of tuberculosis. That's immediately what I, what I pictured and it made me remember my friend and I told John, my husband, the story and. Yeah. yeah, it it's, made me sad. There's that a lot of connections with tuberculosis and AIDS, both because tuberculosis also had a very similar birth as far as diseases go. It used, yeah. to, it used to be called consumption. It used to be thought that it was isolated to prostitutes mm-hmm. or concubines or consorts or whatever word you want to use. So it's similar to how AIDS used to be called grid and how yeah. AIDS used to, they used to think that AIDS was isolated to the gay community. Yes. So, yeah, there's actually a, a connection there to tuberculosis that I never noticed. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just because I was we all have our own life experiences with people that were around. Yeah. Don't give up peony. If I'm immune, then there has to be a way to defeat it. I like that. Yeah. It's so optimistic. She just wants to save her sister. It's optimistic in a bleak chapter. Yes. I also... And this is where she asked for the port screen, because she just wanted to calm Pearl and Mom. Yeah, she just wants to talk to her family. And I and Cinder flinched with guilt. because, And I know they don't explain it, but I'm guessing as soon as she said, did you bring my port screen, Cinder was like, I brought her a blanket. And not something... I should have brought her the port screen. Yeah. That's what I think that when I read when I read that she was filled with guilt, I was like, of course, Cinder is automatically like, oh, I didn't think of something so she could communicate yeah. so she could have something to do other than wait for death. Hindsight is twenty twenty, And she adds it to her list. She does add it to her list. I've underlined that she has to leave and Peony's hands tighten her small hands. Peony is delicate, little innocent flower. She is. She is an innocent peony. She is. That's. Then she just doesn't want to let let her go, and she, you know, she says goodbye to her with watery eyes. She's happy she's not sick, but. And they say I love you, and Cinder goes to leave, and someone calls her name. Yeah, so she turns around to spot a familiar face. A happy one. It's Shang Sasha. Everybody, our resident racist. Ouch. I mean, true. She's true, true. true. But she's like the second character we meet in the whole series, and she straight up segregates. And she automatically assumes that Cinder has the plague. Well, let's get real here. The only people that are allowed to be there are okay. androids or people with the plague. So yes. I would also assume, and true. so did Peony, that Cinder has the plague. I just thought it was funny that they reiterated that. that yeah, time. well, they're trying to remind you that she shouldn't be there. Yes. But I also... I like how Cinder, while it's uncertain, and it says that in there, asks if there's anything she can do for her. It's very selfless, and I think that that's something that Cinder... I've talked before about how Cinder is 
is brazened in a way that most representations of Cinderella aren't how she's yeah. brave and she sticks up for herself and she's not intimidated by others as easily as you might think. But yeah. she does have a kindness to her because she's happy and willing to help someone, even though that person has always been a butt hat has always bigoted against her, mm-hmm. you know, and they were the kindest words that had ever passed between them. That's- and all it was, was, can I do anything for you? Yep. That says a lot. Yeah. Those are the kindest words they've ever had. And then, um, Chang Sasha is asking for her son. Bring Sunto. Yep. She wants her son. And I think that's, I mean, it's a bad idea. Obviously that's not going to happen. But when I read it, I was like, I felt that motherly bond. Oh, see, my first thought was he must be there. And she wants him like brought from his bed. Oh. When I very first read this, the very first time I read this book, that's what I thought. I thought, oh, he must be there with the plague, and he's, like, two beds over or something, and she wants Cinder to help him get to his mom. Oh. I just thought that, like, she wanted him here because, I mean, that's a mother's love. Of course. And then she actually touches Cinder. And not even shakily. She reaches towards Cinder. Grasping her wrist where the skin met the metal. So she's actually touching the cyborg that she had hated up to this point. You're going to like this because you like all my poetic. I do like the poetic. I wrote, For Chang Sasha the baker, her last moments were holding the hand of someone she hated while asking about someone she loved. Oh. Because she's true. Yeah. She just wants her soon to. The fourth and final stage of the blue fever has taken over and... While holding her hand, Sasha dies. Yes. Life dulled. This is just a death-riddled two chapters. This is a very emotional two chapters. We've taken a severe turn from Aiko getting excited about a dress and a ribbon around her wrist. Yes. And that little ball of sunshine, we're going to need her back to bring (laughs) some life back to these chapters. The corpse to know when somebody dies. I just... He was motherless. These are the things that I underlined that just stuck out, stood out to me. I don't know if they stood out for you, Bethany, but they they the made whole, me feel sad. The whole thing is just so overwhelmingly realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Me too. And you know, we all come in, we all deal with death in different ways, and we all learn, we all come across those at different times. Yes. For me. We didn't have a lot of death in my family. We'd had a couple of very old grandparents that had passed away because that's what happens. Mm-hmm. But when I was in seventh grade, my grandfather died. My grandfather, Harold, died. That was the first funeral I ever remember going to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then my uncle JC died. Then my uncle Kevin died. Then my grandmother died. Then my dog died. This was in a two-year period. So we went from not losing anyone to losing a bunch of two years to getting kind of overwhelmed with With having to deal with and accept death. And so it it taught me at a very young age because seventh grade, you're not very old. Um, You're 13, I think, in seventh grade, right? Yeah. So, well, actually, I skipped third grade, so I would have been 12. I skipped third grade. Oh, that's because you're smart. Yeah, I just tested high when we moved to a different town. But um <laughs> You dealt with it still pretty young. I mean, well, and Cinder is sixteen and and this I forget is that. A, I forgot that that she's sixteen. 
It's the same as like forgetting that Aiko is not human. There are just right. so many character like there are so many characteristics about them that that distract you from those realities. And the other thing I wanted to point out is that this whole explanation, like everything that Cinder has gone through, is it's we're not on the same day anymore, so I can't freak Thank out God. about that. But it's, but it's still week. only been like forty eight hours. <sighs> what a what a time. So, like, 48 hours ago, Cinder was pissed off because Sasha was being a bitch about not letting her son go near Cinder because she was a cyborg. And now she's the last person to hold the hand of this dying woman. Right? That's pretty poetic. It is. It's a strange turn of events. And now, yes. what the f*** are the Mendroids doing? Yes. And she's rooted to the spot, looking at it. I feel like she's looking at it from another perspective. I feel like the she I think she's kind of distracted and overwhelmed and mm-hmm. this incident with the Medroid sort of pulls her out of it. The blade pressed into Sasha's wrist, a stream of blood dribbled down Sasha's palm. First and foremost, we really don't know what the Medroid's doing, but we learn a little bit later that they're pulling out the chip. Removing her ID tip said the Android. Yes. Why the hell would you remove something that identifies So here we go. Somebody. I came up with theories because I am a conspiracy theorist. Yes, you're a resident conspiracy theorist. Can they be reused or recycled? Okay. Possibly if they're reprogrammed, but first and foremost, disgusting. I didn't say it wasn't disgusting, but we know that this is a a society that values sustainability because they have pollution fines so okay yeah it's possible that they're very green reduce recycle reuse hey i'm all for it (laughs) but it's disgusting but let's put aside the fact that it's disgusting how many of these id chips are littering the earth if they can't be recycled reused or destroyed true i can see that i would like we're filling up landscaping everywhere you know and yes they're very small they add up and What the Mandroid said is, she has no more use for it. Ugh, brutal. I And I like what Cinder says, don't you need it to identify the body? Because I wrote, why aren't they calling time of death? Yes. And then I wrote, yeah, that's a good question. How will they identify the body? You're crazy anatomy. How yeah. will they identify the body? Also, my parents are nurses. I mean, yeah. you, I anatomy is... That. Grey's Anatomy aside, I know a little bit about this stuff just because I grew up listening to yeah, it. I but it. <sighs> yeah, and that's the end of the chapter. Like, yes, she goes to say hello to her sister and and offer her some kind of kindness. She gives ki- more kindness than Chang Sasha deserves, and then for some reason, this Medroid is running around cutting out ID chips, which is essentially. Their fingerprint, I mean, they might as well be burning off fingerprints for no reason, right? And taking out gold teeth. Oh! Taking out old teeth. Gold. Gold teeth, like the Holocaust. Oh. Oh. I made that connection just right now. Yeah, that was a good aha moment. Oh. Not just the Holocaust. There are plenty of indications about that, especially in, like, um, uh, prisoners of war. Mm Mm-hmm. This is how they're treating the body. I mean, that... I really enjoyed the way that they closed this chapter, actually. As bad of a chapter it was. It's not bad. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, 
it's oh. it's bad because it's hard to deal with emotionally yes. but from a literary de- like a literary perspective it's very well written and it's a very good plot device yes and i was it's talking like, bad from that emotional yes standpoint. it's, it's like bad for that. it's like oh wait you never saw the show friends did you i've seen friends do so you know the Ross it. and Rachel breakup thing? Yes. You've seen that episode? Mm-hmm. So, like, that is bad. Yes. But it's incredibly well written and choreographed yes. and acted out. Mm-hmm. But it's horrible. It is horrible. And that's how this is. This is incredibly well written. She includes so many interesting elements. This is so much more than just her visiting her sister. There's so much more that happens. There's so much more that she witnesses and experiences. There's a lot more that we as the readers get to learn about this world and yes. what it's like for the people who are dying other than the print, the king. It's and world building. It's yes. what we call it as a dungeon master and D&D. We're world building. And that's, that's what she's doing. Called that in, in literary too? Okay. Yes, it's called world building okay. and literary too. <laughs> but that's what we, I mean, that's what I'm used to. But these chapters, they really are. These chapters are very grim. They are very grim and that's very sad. But at the same time, they're needed. They're that necessary evil. They are. They are. So I'm going to go ahead and read Becca's quote. She opened her eyes to the windowless bedroom and sat up. Aww. She, she wrote, E gods, this is grim. These chapters are so grim. Now I'm crying in the lunchroom. I'm sorry, Aww. Becca. I We send you hugs. Um, yes. <laughs> lots of hugs. Good feelings. I, I thought that the ending was killer. Yeah. But I loved it. I yeah. loved the ending. It, this- drew, it drew the tattered blanket over Sasha's unblinking eyes. Instead of answering her question, it simply said, I have been programmed to follow instructions. Yep. It's just following its orders. Well, and she says the same thing. She said there must be a reason, something logical. Medroids were all logic. Yep. They are. They're they supposed are. to be. So what was, was that your quote? No, my oh, quote is... Oh, that's right. You stole my quote. Sorry. <laughs> I love you, Cinder. I'm glad you're not sick. Yeah, that because, was my quote. And the reason why is because this is one of the f- few times... I think this is the first time that we see somebody tell Cinder that they loved her. Yeah. Ultimately, this is the first time, and that is really impactful. And someone saying that they're glad that she's not sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Because I mean, Audrey has been trying to kill her. Yes, literally, and was literally furious that she survived the, the, the research facility. Yes. And now we have Peony saying she's glad that she's not sick. Yep. Yeah. Peony. Peony. Innocence. Let's take a moment of silence for Peony. Yeah. Because we love Peony. So I love my quote, I kind of picked at the last minute because Ashley and I always <laughs> seem to pick the last quotes. So I went for something else. Don't let me die, Cinder. I wanted to go to the ball. Oh, remember? You were going to introduce me to Prince. She turned her head, scrunching her face up in a vain attempt to hold in the tears. So it's it's kind of a little offbeat, but that moment, it just reminds us how naive and young Peony is, if you forget, if you could even forget. that It's very much like Aiko, in the sense that, like, when things are bad, you cling to something that isn't. Yes. A dream, a possibility, a hopeful optimism, maybe. And I'm sure that if it were possible, Cinder would find a way to bring Kai to Grant's <laughs> Peony's last wish of just even just waving to him behind a hazmat suit or something, you know? Yeah. But she's just, there are limitations in this world. There are. And they live in a, a grim world, honestly. They do. 
So those are our chapters for this week. Um, there is a grand total of four Easter eggs. There were two Easter eggs in chapter 16, and there are two in chapter 17. Next episode is going to be chapters 18 and 19. Hopefully they are more happy than these ones were. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And you can send your submissions for Fan Art Friday and for our Fan Art Logo Contest. You can send all of your submissions to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, gmail.com. You can even go to our website. If you enjoyed this episode today and you would like to help us out, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you leave a comment on SoundCloud, which I've done, or <laughs> CastBox, and we will read that review as well. You can also review us on Facebook or by shout out on Instagram, and we will read these too. Also, we love if, reading you, if you just like email me, I'll read it. <laughs> I love, re- I love reading. If you it. just send me like a mess, if you send me a DM on Instagram, I'm probably going to read it just so you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you write us a review, we'll share them to all our social media and we'll put it on our website and we will read it on the next episode. And you can also send us questions, comments, or concerns to be answered. But remember, no spoilers. Spoiler free. So it can be a question like what um, Renegade Anarchist sent us in about Emperor Riken. Yes. Or, yeah, what's ever happening in the next chapter. Yeah, send them to us. We want to hear hear from you. Yes, two chapters. This this one chapter a week thing was getting too slow. So (laughs) So next week, read chapters 18 and 19. See you next week. week. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Cinder by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Ashley Leonard. Thank you for listening.